morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard for Spike M. Minch M. Cohen. I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. M. Mensch M. Yeah. I don't even want to do this show anymore. M. Mensch M. That's a terror. I've liked these. I've liked all of these. M. Mensch M. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Great to have you. Welcome to the Muddy Waters of Freedom. And if you're like me, you're seeing that video for the first time. <laughs> of that. Really? That's that is the first. I can't Can we play that. that again? Yeah, I don't care. Let's, I mean, it's not that long. For those who are just tuning in, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to play this again because, my God, that was terrible. This is, and uh, Matt, just so you know, they're going to hear it uh, initially, and we won't, but then, they, yeah, we'll, then we'll hear it too. This is, I don't even know how to describe this. So if you didn't already hear this in the intro, go ahead and listen again because this, holy hell. To come to the McDonald's at Love's on the Ford Avenue exit. And I waited in line to get my food. I had already done my mobile order so that, you know, people don't pay for my stuff because I just always like to pay for it myself. But well, that's nice I'm you. on my way home from work. Um, when I pull up to the window, they hand me my receipt. So I go to the second window to get my food. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. At McDonald's. And so the girl comes to the window and asks me what my order was. I repeat my order and my coffee. She's um, actually crying. Order. <laughs> and they ask me to pull up because my food's not ready. It's uh, an English muffin meal with a hash brown and coffee. And, I mean, I hadn't eaten since uh, probably about I mean I've been up for a very long time but I haven't eaten in a while so I was kind of hungry and I'm still waiting and I'm still waiting and they asked me to pull up so I pull up forward and uh, a girl comes out with my coffee and just the coffee and she hands it to me and I have my window down why are you crying and that's all she hands me is the coffee she has serious anxiety. So I told her, I said, don't bother with the food because right now I'm too nervous to take it. It doesn't matter how many hours I've been up. It doesn't matter what I've done for anyone. She has never been to McDonald's. Right now I'm too nervous to take a meal from McDonald's because I can't see it being made. All of us are nervous to take a meal from yeah, McDonald's. Yeah, you should. That's part of What's the experience. What's going on with yeah. people nowadays? That's part of the experience. Just give us a break. Please just give us a break. I don't know how much more I can take. I've been in this for 15 years and I've never, ever had such anxiety about waiting for McDonald's drive through food. You so just have a that. heart. And if you see an officer, just tell them thank you. Because I don't hear thank you enough anymore. I um I always have anxiety when I go there. That's part of the experience is yeah. being a little nervous about the relative <laughs> lack of safety of what you're about to do by eating food from McDonald's. Folks, this is someone who is going around 
with a firearm and qualified immunity. This is a human being who has a gun and is on so far on edge that she experienced the inconvenience of getting her coffee before her food and having to wait. And she has had a legit nervous breakdown and is live streaming it. I don't even know what point she was trying to make, but can you imagine being pulled over by her? Oh, God, no. And making her wait while you look for your license in your wallet or something like that? Yeah, so on Saturday, when we did our uh, very special Saturday show, um, the Saturday extravaganza. The the Saturday-tastic. Yeah, Yeah, Saturganza. The the three-hour behemoth of a show that we did. I texted Mike beforehand and I said, do you want crying cop or auto tune? And he goes, he said, uh, whatever you think. And I thought, eh, I'll do the auto tune one because some of these are going to be dated really quickly. Right. And, and I figured that officer McMuffin would make it. Into, oh, that is timeless. Yeah. I figured that would make it to Tuesday. That will never not that, that, that doesn't, that will age very well. That is uh that's a perennial one right there, folks. Holy hell. I, I am trying to picture I feel like I just want to keep playing that for all the new people that are tuning in. Like I I, I don't even know. Like it's like what's the rest of the show even gonna be? We'll play it later. Because there are new folks tuning in. Thank you for joining us uh to at Money play, Waters. We're gonna play it at the closing. Oh yeah, we're gonna so play it at the closing. So you have to stay tuned the for the through. entire you have to stay tuned to the entire show. So uh you need to first and foremost. Oh yeah, first and foremost, allow me to thank Casey Nether Campbell for the kava I am drinking today. And allow me to thank Kroger the let me to thank Kroger for this purified drinking water. I also have Le Bleu, but I'm drink I'm kind of doing both. Bulavanaka. I have filtered water from the tap. Bulavanaka. Bulavanaka. Mm. I also so I, I want to throw this out. Okay. Uh Yesterday, I got a shipment in the mail from uh, Black Organic Cold Brew Coffee. Um, I got a shipment from them, and I brewed it. And the purpose of me brewing it was I was going to drink it on the show. So I filled up a uh, container much like this, about halfway, because I knew it was going to be a little bit stronger. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to fill it up all the way. Um, And it was so good that I finished it off uh, multiple hours before the show started. So uh, instead of me saying that, uh, showing you the coffee and showing you how good it is by me drinking it, you're just going to have to take my word because I literally finished it so quickly because it was delicious. Well, you're going to see how good it is because he's going to be wired for this entire show because he just downed a bunch of black coffee. Uh, So, Interesting coincidence there. This episode is actually brought to you in part by Black Coffee. Uh, just That's a true. just a absolute serendipity there, folks. Um, Black Coffee, be- uh, just absolutely delicious cold brew organic coffee. Matt Wright approved coffee. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, and be sure to go to blackbrews.com uh, and you can get your black coffee today. Uh, and if you use the checkout code MW, you get free shipping and we get like two bucks. So it's the best best of both worlds. You get money or you get free shipping, we get money. 
uh, if you do that, or Money Waters gets money. This episode is also, of course, brought to you by the Libertarian Dad Bod Calendar, featuring some of the sexiest libertarian men to ever be both sexy and libertarian at the same time. Uh, perfect social distancing tool there, folks, to carry around one of these. Everyone is going to want to stay at least six feet away from you uh, at all times. LibertarianDadBod.com, only two, only $12 shipped and $30 if you want it signed by yours truly and shipped, that's me there, Mr. April. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party of any kind. We used to joke and say that we were the fastest growing waffle related caucus. We're now just the fastest growing caucus in the party. I absolutely love it. This episode again is brought to you by Black Coffee, blackbrews.com. Use checkout code MW for free shipping and for us to get a dollar. This episode is also brought to you by the Jorgensen Cohen. I'm sorry, the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. Uh, we, Joe, Joe Jorgensen and I, are running to set America free and to provide common sense libertarian solutions to the problems that have been created by the Democrats and Republicans. Jorgensen Cohen 2020. That's J O J 2020.com. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Henry McMaster, who is and will always be an absolute bitch. For anybody that's rushing over to blackbrew.com, uh, that's mm. B-L-V-C-K. Yes, B-L-V-C-K-B-R-E-W or B-R-E-W-S if you do Black Brew or Black Brews. Either of yes. those work. Um, but yeah, B-L-V-C-K, black, right. spelled in the classic Russian way. I don't know why it's spelled that way. But so it's very good. It's, it, it does, it's so good, it doesn't even have to be spelled correctly. That's how good it is. Um, so speaking of why things are that way and not knowing, but just learning to enjoy it, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is releasing her book this fall after the smashing success of John Bolton's book, The Room Where It Happened. Uh, she released her own book, uh called speaking for myself uh but no one should expect the same type of tell-all that john bolton released today in his book of course today today fun fun uh fact about the room where it happened it was number one like a week before it came out it was number one on all of the on like book selling charts on political charts on what on all of them it right. was number one because people really really wanted to read an angry man spilling all of the information that he had to only find out that the thing that made him the angriest was he didn't get to bomb Iran. He didn't get to murder hundreds of people. That's right. After the Iranian government shot down a robot over their airspace. That's what he was the most angry about. All the stuff that, that you're angry about did not care. Was actually yeah. perfectly fine with that. Supported yeah, totally most fine. of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, Sarah Huckabee, Huckabee Sanders is releasing a book this fall. In it, she has a passage where she writes about John Bolton. And in it, she has, oh, wow, I did not think that that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep, need to learn a little bit more on how to do things. You're uh, doing your best, and I'm proud of you. Let's see yeah, if I'm adding doing, that. Again. I do not do. Uh, there we go. It's getting better. Just keep. Just start reading. I'm gonna just keep adding them until. Cool. Here we go. This is perfect, folks. <laughs> um, there we go. That's pretty close. That's close enough. 
Uh, in it, she has such gems as Bolton was a classic case of a senior White House official drunk on power who had forgotten that nobody elected him to anything. She also says Bolton apparently felt too important to travel with the rest of us as we were ready to depart from the Winfield old house. We loaded onto, oh, I should have included the rest of that. We loaded onto a small black bus. He jumps into a, I'll summarize the rest of it. He jumps into a separate car and goes completely without everybody. So that way he gets there first or something. I'm not really sure. I haven't read the book. Um, Often Bolton acted like he was the president pushing an agenda contrary to President Trump's. And my favorite part was that Mick Mulvaney, uh, according to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, said, let's face it, you're a effing self-centered son of a bee. Biscuit-eating bulldog. And as Chris Reynolds says uh, over on YouTube, be sure to join us over on YouTube, youtube.com slash Media. Chris Reynolds says... Uh, the federal court said that Bolton can release the book, but he can be sued in civil court later. We call that a win-win, I guess, yeah. in, the, in the lawyer world. Uh, that's, a, that's a win-win there. Um, but yeah, so that's, yeah. So, so Sarah Sanders uh, was able to find someone who is worse than Sarah Sanders, and that would be, of course, John Bolton, who is a terrible man. And uh, one of the best things Donald Trump ever did was he getting rid of him. Mad. According to his book, his own book, his own book, his own book, he, 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 the thing he was most angry about was that the attacks on Iran would kill up to a hundred, like Trump said no to the attacks on Iran, which when he found out that the, uh, that they would kill up to 150 people. Yeah. In retaliation for shooting down a robot that may have been over their airspace. Right. So Trump, again, we are not Trump fans here. If If this is your first time tuning in, we are not Trump fans here. By even any stretch of the imagination, we are Jorgensen Cohen fans. But one of the few things Donald Trump did that was not terrible was deciding not to bomb Iran and start a war over the fact that they shot down a U.S. robot drone that might have actually been over their airspace or at the very least was pretty darn close to their airspace, uh, which, you know, I I think at that point you can call no harm, no foul it was close enough to not warrant bombing them. And John Bolton was in the room where that happened. And he was not happy about it. He was not happy about it. He was not happy that murder. And allegedly, you can watch our show on Saturday for a more in-depth look at this, but allegedly the Ukraine stuff, he was rather indifferent on. He was like, oh, they probably shouldn't be doing this, but whatever. Yeah, like that's the thing. He didn't. He either he either was perfectly fine with it, um, or he was, uh, you know, he, he, he was either perfectly fine with it or was willing to just kind of look the other way. And yeah. I mean, that's that's like, but this is interesting that you know, and and this is a very common thing where we where people on both the the Democrat side and the Republican side, when someone defects from that side, they'll go, oh, well, now we like those people because they defected. Even if they defected for the absolute worst reasons, uh, uh, they they still will, you know, they still will have a newfound respect for them. And it's like, why? They're everything that you hate. Um, Very interesting dynamic there. Um, But yeah, so, uh, and speaking of Donald Trump himself, Donald Trump, 
president of the U.S. Uh, he's taken a page out of his 2016 playbook. Uh, he's already laying the groundwork for blaming election fraud for some reason. Uh, he says, rigged 2020 election. This is all caps boomer posting, by the way, folks. Uh, early morning boomer tweeting. Uh, rigged 2020 election. Millions of mail-in ballots will be printed by foreign countries and others. It will be the scandal of our times. Of course, he didn't clarify why he's saying this or if he has any intelligence of such a thing. Or No, just just, 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 just saying that. it's out there. Just saying um, that it's and- there. It's almost a threat that he's going to do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, we might all be reading this the wrong way. He may be like, we're going to print out millions of ballots in foreign countries and and others. But it will be printed by foreign countries and others. Other That's what? Not countries? Foreign Aren't all inter- other countries foreign countries? Wait, you know, ISIS isn't a country. Oh, okay. So, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but this is ex- like back in 16 this is exactly what he yeah. was doing in yeah. uh in one of the debates of course i don't remember which one because it was four years ago uh they asked would you accept the election results and he was like no i don't know if i can i would have to wait to see and hillary clinton just bashed him for that saying you have to believe the election results if you don't believe the erect if you're not willing to believe the election results you're and whatever, and you're just an angry man who, anytime that you've been losing, you're saying the system is rigged. True, hundred percent. Also true. true, very much true. And then, and then Donald Trump won, and, and then Donald Trump it. won, and she said it and, was right, and then it was rigged. They, um, <laughs> to impeach him for it, yeah, right. But uh, right, yeah, exactly. They, well, not that person. They tried. They tried. They tried. They couldn't get very far with that one. But um, but but she's absolutely right. If he had lost, right. he would have lost his mind. He'd be calling for an armed revolution and everything else. I mean, I can't even imagine what kind of nightmare it would have been if he had lost and then called for you know the uprising of the people against you know the the millions of printed ballots or whatever. Right. Right. Uh, How shocked is he going to be when all those ballots come back, Jorgensen Cohen, twenty twenty? Then he's definitely going to blame some foreign. When that happens, when we win the election, that's when it's going to get serious. Right. That's when it's going to get serious. Uh, Carl Crambeck wants to know how fast you can walk down a ramp. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I saw that video, too. Uh, Definitely better. Definitely better than he can. Uh, I'm not sure what that was about. And then he gave this weird thing that it was slippery. I could walk down a slippery ramp even better than that that was a and then he he had to kind of do a little running finish there i'm not sure what to tell you about that um yeah that was that was bizarre it was it was weird and and i don't like going after people's perceived infirmities or anything else i i you know i i'm not you know if someone's in their 70s and they have some mobility issues that doesn't mean they can't run for something but especially for someone who you know uh, uh promotes himself as one of the healthiest and strongest individuals in human history that was a very odd. It was a bit. It was a very steep. It was a very steep ramp. Yeah, it was, and it was, it I mean, you could wet. see like he started here, and then <laughs> yeah, it was and here. He, it was yeah. super steep. It was like you know, like forty feet. It was like the ramp at you know at the at a restaurant where you have to like go up and and go like this because it like slowly goes up. It was just all all one long thing. It was not steep. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I said, I don't like going after people for 
you know, their mobility issues or whatever. But I, I, I will say I, I am comfortable saying that I, I would be able to walk down a ramp a, a little faster than that. <laughs> I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, I, I, I feel safe in saying that. Uh, Ryan Scray asks, can Spike skate and play hockey like Joe? I can certainly try. <laughs> Can't promise the same aptitude. No. But I can try. I can try anything. Yeah. I mean, I've been on, I've been on ice skates before. Not that hard to stay up. I have, yeah, I I've been on ice. I, I have. I'm not, I'm not fast, but definitely I can't stay not up. fast. I can, I can, I have in the past put my feet into ice skates and then gone on to an ice rink. Um, and I have survived. never tried to do that with a stick in my hand though. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure how good I would be at the uh at at the Oh and then trying to get something with it. Oh man. Yeah, no, that would that would be very difficult. That would be very, very difficult. I'll try. I might not try. I might try. But I might not try. Let me know so, when you're gonna try because I want to be there to video it. I probably will not uh okay. tell you. Um, but speaking of uh, things that ended poorly, uh, this tweet that he gave was after his rally in Tulsa, where uh, he originally said there were going to be more than a million re- that there had been more than a million requests for tickets, um, yes. and then instead, sixty two hundred people showed up in a venue of nineteen thousand. They had booths outside for over for stages for with giant screens with, for overflow crowds and. They were anticipating just more people than Tulsa had ever seen before. And uh, instead, they actually did worse than uh, other notable political movement leaders such as Nickelback and the Wiggles. The Wiggles. Well, he never made it as a wise man. No. Look at this photograph. I actually don't have a photograph. Um, (laughs) so, so, you know, so he, he, uh, you know, they, they originally blamed it on left-wing provocateurs and said that there were protesters stopping people from being able to get there. There's no evidence of that. There's no pictures of that. There's just blamed it on the the coronavirus, blamed Uh, on the coronavirus, but leading up to, he said, doesn't matter. They're still going to show up anyway. Um, he said, we have more than a million. We're going to, we're going to pack the place and roughly a third of the place was filled yeah um, they tried blaming it on the tiktok k-pop kids who apparently they did uh the reason there were more than a million requests supposedly is because they were just ramping up requests for tickets but then it turns out that they actually like follow up the campaign actually follows up to make sure that those tickets were actually requested and and, and needed and if the people don't follow up with information, those tickets don't count. So that certainly was a fun prank, but that's not why only 6,200 people happened. show up. But that is not what happened. That's not what happened. Now, in all honesty, like we tried to come up with a great joke for this, something about him not being able to fill a place or something. Yeah, something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but no joke we could write was better than this one. Stormy Daniels told you all, 
he exaggerates about the size of things. That is a solid joke. That is a solid joke. That's a good that, joke. And well-timed. Just well-timed. She. This is what Twitter was made for. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, was really showing off. Oh yeah, she she dunked on him. She definitely dunked on him there. Um and uh I have no segue for this next Nope. When you asked me to add it, I went I have no idea where to put it, so it's going at the end. It's just going right here. So speaking of Spike giving Matt a last minute thing to add to the show notes, uh and it's a great story and it certainly has nothing to do with Stormy Daniels or Donald Trump. Uh a man by the name of Dalen McClee was Speaking of forgiving at- Speaking of, no. okay. Nope, that doesn't work. I, I mean, thought, I thought I had it there for a second. Nope. It was better than, actually, I don't know that it was better. We're going to just start talking about this story now. Dalen McClee yeah. uh, was sitting at home and heard a loud. You... Is it Dalen or Dylan? It's Dalen. Oh. Yeah. He was sitting at home and he heard a loud bang. Uh, and he ran outside and he saw a police cruiser in a bad accident and he rushed to save the officer in peril. And this this shows just how forgiving he is. Isn't that right, Matt? That's true. Very forgiving. Uh, back in 2018, Dalen McClee uh, filed a lawsuit against four Pennsylvania state troopers for wrongful arrest after he spent a year in jail related to a bar fight uh, outside of an American Legion uh, in March of 2016. Uh, he had rushed to the bar in Pennsylvania after his sister called, she said she needed a ride home because a fight had broken out. So he wanted to get there, protect his sister. Good man. Mm-hmm. Um, when he arrived, he disarmed a man who was standing there with a gun and threw the weapon aside. At least one trooper fired shots at McClee as he fled because he was a black man holding a gun. Because he was a black man holding a gun. Yeah. Right. Uh, the trooper said McClee pointed the weapon at him twice, but security footage show McClee disarming the man, discarding the gun quickly and fleeing as shots were fired. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously like he's going to have, it's understandable if he has a little bit of a grudge against the police. One would understand that. One would definitely understand that. And then and, could grasp it. And yet when he had an opportunity to say, eh, none of my business, instead he put, his life at risk because I mean the car could blow up. You have no idea what can happen in in one of these really bad wrecks. Um, he went and saved this officer, and right. uh, that officer's life uh, is he potentially is you know alive today because of of Dalen's uh, quick uh, forgiveness, forgiveness and and quick action to save him. Yeah, and when one of his friends asked him about. Uh whether or not he questioned saving the officer, uh, he responded with, there is value in every human life. We are all children of God, and I can't imagine just watching anyone burn. No matter what other people have done to me or other officers, I thought this guy deserves to make it home safely to his family. That's a picture of uh, Daylin being hugged by the officer whose life he just saved. So this is just a really great story uh, of forgiveness and moving forward. Uh, and in that same token, uh, we learn that there's a petition from a Tennessee man to rename 
Columbus, Ohio to Flavortown. Flavortown, Ohio, but yeah. Flavortown, Ohio. Right. I'm sure there's more to this, Matt. No, not really. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious, and I 100% wanted to put it in the notes. Uh, there is a petition to change the name of Columbus, Ohio, and the guy who started the petition is some for some reason in Tennessee. Maybe he's from Ohio. I don't know. I'm not willing to say. So Guy Fieri is at least from Columbus? Uh, he is from central Ohio. So, yes. So let's go to the comments. Um, we got some <laughs> questions here. Uh, oh, gosh. Man, this became an AMA. Um, oh, wow. Uh, where do I start? Wow, we have a lot of questions here. By the way, someone asked uh, where can Jorgensen Cohen supporters get merc merchandise like yard signs, bumper stickers, and clothes. Right now, the only way, uh, place that you can get any kind of branded merchandise is from lpstore.org. Um uh, we do have branded merchandise coming out very soon, but right now LP store, that's the official store of the Libertarian Party. Um, let's see. John S. Hurtley asks, how is your offshore ballot printing going? We actually can't talk to you about that, but millions and millions. Um, there, there was an NDA that was signed. He can't just discuss these. Yeah, things. I mean, I don't want to get in. I don't want to break the law. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, already asked that. Do you think uh, Trump is laying the the groundwork to not leave and declare martial law to keep himself in power? I mean, I don't put anything above Trump. I think it's just typical bluster from him. I think he realizes that uh, Joe Jorgensen and I are going to defeat him. And so he's already laying the groundwork for that inevitable crashing victory or for us, crashing defeat for him, crashing victory for us crashing defeat for him um uh da, da, da. uh it's not going to ch uh, someone says uh they're saying that they believe that we are being obtuse about the video there is a lot of tension in the u.s right now and most of it is aimed at law enforcement most members of that community join with service in mind and to clump her in with the bad actors who would violate your rights or stand up for laws that support others that would violate your rights is doing exactly what they're being criticized for. We need to reach out to the rational members of law enforcement to get them to see the light and be on our side, just like we need to reach out to the rational members of the groups that are being victimized by the bad actors. I agree 100%. This seems like a very unnecessary attack, and I don't think it is a very good strategy and win the hearts and minds of the White House. Thank you for your thoughts. Uh, we were sharing a video of a woman who had a meltdown because of a McMuffin. Right. And in all fairness, she put it out there and it went viral. That wasn't really on us. We just shared it one more time. We just showed she wanted she shared a live video of herself having a meltdown over the fact that she had, had to wait, to for, wait for, for her McMuffin. We at no point said that she was one of the bad actors. No, 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 no. I never said she was a bad actor. I do say that I'm concerned about someone who is that on edge having a gun and qualified immunity. Uh, which is yeah. yet another reason that we support ending qualified immunity. Um, but I certainly would not accuse her of being abusive or a bad actor or anything else. I have no idea uh, anything else about her. I know that she um, had a meltdown over the fact that she had a wait for an egg McMuffin. Thank God she didn't ask for a milkshake. <laughs> Get told that the, the machine's or down. Yeah, or ice cream. Yeah, she wouldn't have gotten that. Woo that crisis averted, folks. Um, 
let's see. Uh, uh, Josh Fuller, I would love to know his. I presume he means my stance on transgender people in sports. Should someone born, we would say, assigned male compete with girls because that person is trans or no? I think it should be left up to that sporting agency. I don't think it's a government thing one way or another. I think that uh, individual sporting agencies and organizations should be able to determine how they do their decisions for who can compete in their sports. Um, Carl Cranbeck asks, uh, here's a real question. There's a solar solar eclipse. Do you look directly at it? No, I did once, but no, but only for a second. And only because I was told not to. And I was a kid, but no. It was, I was only a kid. It was the last one. Um, it was the one from two years ago. That's not true. Um, no, that one, I, no, but that was accident. That was an accident. Um, uh, uh, Ryan Scray has uh, asks, uh, how do you and Joe work with a Democrat and Republican Congress? Um, the beauty of the fact that the legislature, that Congress has so abdicated their authority to all of these federal agencies they've created with their laws and basically given those agencies unlimited authority uh, or nearly unlimited authority to pass what we used to call legislation, but they now call regulations to regulate every single aspect of whatever given uh, sector of the economy they've put, been put in charge of means that an un, uh, unintended amount of authority is vested just in the executive branch. The beauty of that is that when Joe comes into office, she'll be able to undo all of that. She'll be able to get rid of all of those overly burdensome regulations. She'll be able to unstaff entire agencies and not replace anyone in them. She'll be able to uh, do things like ending the wars unilaterally by simply declaring them unnecessary and bringing the troops home because Congress never declared war. They simply had a use of authorization of military force, authorization of use of military force, which gives basically unlimited authority to the president to determine whether or not we need to stay in these wars. Joe will decide we don't bring the troops home uh, and the war on drugs by descheduling all the drugs uh, and all of these different ways that uh, we will be able to do it at the executive level. Now, moving forward at the legislative level, the short answer is that hopefully... If we've been elected, some other libertarians will have also been elected on the strength of the, 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 the groundswell of public opinion and support necessary to get us to win those elections. Uh, that will also have worked its way down the ballot to congressional and Senate elections, as well as gubernatorial elections and attorney general elections and other statewide and local and regional elections. But we recognize that more than likely, if we get elected, that will also be dealing with a minority of libertarians and a supermajority of republicrats. Uh, and so the beauty of that is that that gives us a perfect opportunity to draw a very clear line in the sand. And on the one side of that line is Joe and I and everyone in Congress who is working to remove the boot from the neck of the people. Uh, and on the other side of that line is those who are doubling down on the bad ideas that created such a public groundswell of, of opposition to them that it got us elected in the first place. And that those people are still working to keep that boot firmly on the neck of the people for no other reason than to preserve their own power and influence and to allow there to continue to be unnecessary, needless harm being done as a result of their actions. Um, that is how we will work with them, for lack of a better words. Now, um, Josh Fuller Josh Fuller says, I 100% agree with you. I don't know which question was his, but... I think it was the, the trans sports question. Okay. Uh, he says, thanks for the input, and it will be my first year voting, and I'm going LP. So Thank you, Josh. That means a lot. Have one. 
Well, that's one, one down. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa Lott says, someone on Joe's podcast appearance last night asked about comments you made supporting Antifa. Can you clarify if that is true or what was intended by the comments made? Thank you, heart emoji. Uh, Alisa, here's what I've always said regarding Antifa. There is no organization called Antifa. Antifa is basically shorthand for anti-fascism. If you are against fascism, you are, in fact, Antifa. It would be like saying, like, anonymous or, uh, or, uh, or saying, I support gun rights or something like that. There is no actual organization called Antifa. You have people who take the claim the mantle of Antifa, and there are people who claim the mantle of Antifa who do some amazing and helpful and and um and charitable and peaceful things. These are great people. There are other people who claim the mantle of Antifa who do violent and destructive things. And what I've always said is that there is no such thing as Antifa, or or there is no organization called Antifa. That Antifa is simply anti-fascism. That if you are a libertarian, you are inherently against fascism, which makes you Antifa. Uh, and that th- anyone who uses violence for anything other than uh, than you know immediate defense of self and others and who destroys property for no good reason, uh, I am against. Whether they call themselves Antifa or the Proud Boys or the Three Percenters or whatever. Whatever they call themselves, if they're doing those things, whatever mantle they claim, I am against that. Because we should only use force and violence in direct defense of self and others. Whether you're you know, a private sector actor or whether you're in the government or anything else, you should not be using violence just to impose yourself on others or just to be violent or just to harm people. Um, so that's what I've always said. And, and uh, Joe and I are against Donald Trump's uh, threat to make Antifa into a – to relabel Antifa as a terrorist organization – because that will effectively make it so that if you are against fascism, the government reserves the authority to deny you your due process rights, not allow you to have an attorney, and put you in Gitmo if they want to. Or use assassination. Because again, uh, American citizens have been killed overseas. They've been assassinated without any trial or due process or anything else because they were labeled terrorists. So if that happens with anyone who's against fascism in the United States, including libertarians, including the vast majority of Americans, if you are not either in support of fascism or just ambivalent to fascism, if you say, yes, fascism is bad, under Donald Trump's orders, you would effectively be Antifa, which if they decide, they can just label you a terrorist. And you don't get an attorney, and you don't get a trial, and you don't have habeas corpus. They can hold you for however long they want to, and they don't even have to tell anyone why. They don't have to declare that they even have you. They don't even have to acknowledge that they have you. They can put you wherever they want. They can send you to a foreign country and have you tortured. They can waterboard you. They can put you in a place like Guantanamo Bay and hold you as long as they want to. The very moment that they see it as politically expedient to treat you that way, they'll do so. And simply labeling something as nebulous and unorganized as Antifa anti-fascism being against fascism as terrorism is a slippery slope that none of us want to go down and that's what i've always said regarding that subject um let's see uh so to uh who asked that uh ignatz 71 uh which cabinet post are you shooting for under the jorgensen cohen administration so laser legend matt hicks and i will both be press secretary and chief of staff. It's going to be the Matt Tacular duo doing the chief of staff. The Matt Tacular and, chief of staff. 
and press right. secretary right. for me. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see what else here. Um, someone uh, thanking me for the detailed uh, description. Um, you're welcome. And uh, uh, someone, oh, someone asked about the Jones Act. One of the one of the the silver linings of what came out of the uh, uh, the, one of the the hurricanes uh, when it was getting hard to bring goods and supplies to Puerto Rico is this absurd economic protectionism called the Jones Act, which basically says that uh, it basically says that you cannot. Uh, in order for something to be shipped from one part of the U.S. to the other, that ship has to be owned by either an American person or an American company. Um, there's no market demand for such a thing. It's pure protectionism to allow big multi-billion dollar shipping companies to not have to worry about having competitors. It does not protect jobs. It does nothing. It's just pure cronyism. It, it actually is harmful. So for example, in cases of natural disasters, it actually imposes a burden where it's, it becomes less uh, possible to be able to ship goods and services from one part of the U.S. to the other and enlist foreign companies to be able to help with that because it's actually against federal law for them to dock and start in the U.S. And, and port into another part of the U.S. It's just one more example of the government stepping in and making arbitrary decisions that infringe upon our rights to associate as we wish for no other reason than to preserve the power and wealth and influence of favored cronies who put their favored politicians in place so that they would pass these types of rules and infringe upon us to preserve their own power. It is, uh, it is kleptocracy. It is government of theft by theft and for the purpose of theft. And we would end those things. Um, Brandon Suwula says, Hey Spike, I love y'all's stance on freedom. One thing I struggle with is your stance on abortion. I agree with staying out of people's business if it doesn't hurt anyone, but if abortion is scientifically the murder of a human being, shouldn't the government intervene? So Brandon, that's a great question. The Libertarian Party platform on abortion uh, is that we recognize everyone's deeply held beliefs and we believe that those beliefs are held in good faith and we respect them. We believe the government should stay out of it. And there's many reasons why. The main reason why is because there is no, we all recognize that a fetus is a human life. What there is no consensus on is when a fetus goes from being a developing part of the host, of the mother, and when it becomes a person in its own right. There is no scientific consensus on that. So there is a consensus on when the life begins. But if we were to take the most strict definition of when that life begins and say that's when it becomes a person, then that would mean that uh, in vitro fertilization would become illegal because it necessarily uh, creates... Uh, millions or, or thousands of human lives that have to be destroyed as a result. It would also mean that anytime someone had a miscarriage, there would have to be a uh, a police investigation to make sure that it wasn't done accidentally. Can you imagine if you're a pregnant woman who has a miscarriage and now the police have to investigate and make sure that you didn't? There was no nefarious intent or anything that was done wrong. It is an imposition on people that their values may not even align with because if they don't believe that that fetus is a person yet. And again, there is no consensus. There's no scientific consensus on when personhood begins. There's no religious consensus. There's disagreement even within different uh, 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 different um, denominations of Christianity and within different religions when personhood begins. Uh, absent that consensus, 
it would be wrong for any government or any organization to tell an individual person, you have to comply with my definition of when that personhood begins. And it is a very, very tough situation. I think that it is not nearly as cut and dry as both pro-choicers and pro-lifers make it out to be. And we greatly respect that. But we believe absent that consensus, it would be wrong for government to enforce a one-size-fits-all approach that no one is advocating for. I don't think anyone who considers themselves pro-life would advocate for the police to investigate uh, uh, miscarriages. I don't think the police w- or I don't think any, any pro-life person would advocate making it illegal for, for example, a woman who has had multiple uh, miscarriages to get pregnant again. Because, again, if we're applying the concept of personhood consistently, then that would mean that if this person is likely to have a miscarriage and tries to get pregnant again, then she's committing negligent homicide. We have to look through to the logical conclusion of laws that we pass and saying that the very moment of conception, a child is a per- a, 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 a zygote or fetus is a person. The logical conclusion of that is a lot of things that I don't think any of us would want to live under. And um, until we have that consensus, we have to take the stance that we do. And I say that as someone that if my wife and I were to, if, you know, my wife was to get pregnant, we've talked about it. We would have that child. We would not abort it. Um, So personally, I guess I would consider myself pro-life to that extent or anti-abortion to that extent. So would my wife. Uh, But we don't believe that. I don't believe that we should be uh, enforcing that standard on others, especially considering the logical conclusion that it would take us down. Um, And it's a very, it's a very difficult thing. Now, here's what I will say, because Republicans love to talk about being pro-life and yet they continue to fund Planned Parenthood. The Libertarian Party believes that if you find abortion to be completely against your values and completely disgusting and you believe it to be murder, there's no reason that you or anyone else should be forced to pay for abortions with your tax dollars against your consent. And so we would end government funding of any abortion services, um, which is something that the Republicans will never give you. They'll talk pro-life all day long, but A, they aren't really pro-life because they're the first ones to want to bomb the world, and B... Even on the subject of abortion, they talk out one side of their mouth and they act out at the other. And their action is to consistently fund uh, abortions, um, which they're continuing to do today through Title X. And and David Morris mentions, the government has no right to find out if a person is pregnant or not. There's, yeah, exactly. There's also a question of... Uh, there's also a question of the the privacy. And Melissa Marie mentions that we should remove barriers to alternatives to abortion. God forbid you want to adopt someone and you don't have the tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars and months or even years of time to comply with the way to go through the legal adoption process, you're not able to. But you can get pregnant immediately. And of course, if you can't get pregnant, then you're just going to be childless. And there are people sitting in foster care, which has some of the highest rates of abuse, and can't get into permanent loving homes because of unnecessary burdensome impositions by the government. So we would get rid of those as well. Hey, Matt. Hi. So speaking of questions, do we have questions? Yeah, we have we have quite a bit. Oh, well, here, then let me move on to that. So speaking of questions, this is the fun part of our show called the, or is it, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment. That's right. If you go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters, you can one favorite oh, wow. our podcast. On anchor. Holy crap. Yep. And uh, you can also <laughs> do such fun things as leave us messages that we will play on the air 
if they're appropriate, because I do screen them and answer the questions live on the air. You can also do an amazing thing called donate. You can give us money. You can donate to us. Oh, and let me clarify something. When I say give us money, that goes back into production costs. I've had some people say, are you just running to make all this money from podcasting? Which is hilarious. Because that's... Because that's not how podcasting works wish, at all. Yeah, I wish that's what he was I doing. Because then I would be making more money and I'm not. Like, we don't make money. I have never made a penny. I've never even been reimbursed a penny for, for, for my costs in this. All of this goes back into the cost of running this podcast. It doesn't even go into the cost of equipment. It goes into the cost of the various subscription services and marketing and everything else that we do. Every penny that we make goes directly back into the cost of operating Muddy Waters Media. I am absolutely not making a profit, and I love the fact that you think someone does make money from podcasting because very few people do. They have very few people do, and we are not those people. We are not the people... You know, if we if we're if we end up getting some uh, Joe Rogan numbers of viewers, we will absolutely be making money. We'll be very thankful for it. Right now, not so much. We're certainly reaching a lot of people, but yeah, podcasting you got to be reaching millions before you uh, and consistently having millions of people before you make any money to live on. So, but so uh, yeah, Anchor.fm/slash Muddied Waters, and we would love to have your questions in the future. And now we're going to go. Usually, we have like two or three or maybe even four questions and now we have uh, 10 of them so let's get started let's get yeah, started with this all these then. yeah oh, okay good so here's the first one from uh from chris reynolds himself personal injury attorney chris reynolds here with your aoc millennial minute so i got a question for spike uh with the convention coming up here for you um i wanted to just kind of get a idea of what your agenda is there and um, maybe some things that you hope to accomplish while you're uh, at the convention, um, as well as um, how much time you plan on spending at the various um, renowned sororities at UCF and Rollins College, and if you've picked up any uh, endorsements from any of those sororities. Thanks. So uh, if, if, I, if I may, one of uh, Spike's goals for uh, this convention is to meet personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, in person. It better do- Oh, so- by the way, this, this show is brought to you by personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, um, chrisreynoldslaw.com, if you are being personally injured in any way in Florida. Right. So if uh, Chris, space. if you're coming, if you're going to convention, you can make this goal a reality. Yes, I don't believe we've racked up those sorority endorsements yet. But uh, I uh, so the, the the agenda at the convention, Chris, is pretty simple. You know, this is a time of unity. We're coming together as libertarians. Uh, we had a fairly uh, robust uh, nomination contest with a lot of different, really, uh, really good, uh, candidates. And now the candidates have been chosen. And so we're getting together, uh, as a show of unity, uh, to promote the ticket that the delegates have chosen. Uh, we're also going to be doing, you know, camaraderie, starting, you know, build together our, uh, you know, get together and start doing sort of pep rally stuff at the convention. There's going to be a lot of cool little sessions, including, including my session about gun ownership that started from a, uh, an episode of my show, My Fellow Americans, a panel that I did with Antonia Okafor-Cover and uh, Marshall Tig Davis. 
uh, about gun ownership and self-protection and police brutality and uh, civil rights and all sorts of things. And it was so popular that the gun owners of America are sponsoring a not just sponsoring a booth, but they're sponsoring a reception and a full on panel with six people on it, not including me, that I will be hosting to talk about those issues in an expanded panel that anyone who is attending the Libertarian Party convention can see in person. And uh, we will be streaming, if the internet allows us to there, uh, we will be streaming that panel for the world to see. So that will be happening. What's that? You know what day that panel is? It's going to be on the 11th, on July 11th. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out which days I'm going to schlep out to Orlando. That would be one of them. That is one that I wanted to go to. I also want to go for whatever speech you have to give. Yes, I don't know when my speech is yet, but yes. And um, so I will also be giving a speech and Matt will be there. Um, And uh, so we're having a reception the night before on the 10th, sponsored by the GOA. And then the following day, we're having the panel. I'm super excited about the panel. I'm super excited about the panel. So thank you. Sororities, I don't know. I'm sure there was an inside joke there, but I don't get him. Here's the next (laughs) Here's the next question. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your sports segment. Oh Got a question for Matt. Um, I think we have a negotiated deal, or at least close to it, I believe, uh, for Major League Baseball to have a shortened 60-game season. And um, as... Uh, one of the only people that I know that is a baseball fan. Um, I love Matt's <laughs> um, opinion on um, kind of those contentious negotiations. Um, do you like the results of those negotiations? Um, and just any any thoughts you have on on uh, the upcoming uh, baseball season? Thanks. One of the few people I know that's a <laughs> baseball fan. That's coming. That's coming from a soccer fan. So I mean, I can't really take him seriously. Wow. Um, but wow. uh, so the last I heard, I was paying attention to it for a while. And if we get baseball, great. I'm not thinking that it will happen because the last I heard is that because of one of the states, they were only going to do uh, baseball in a few states, Florida being one of them. And now that Florida has had a rash of new coronavirus. Uh, infections um they are now thinking about not including florida and there's nowhere else that would accept it so i don't know if it's actually going to happen if it does happen great if it doesn't happen all right well that sucks for me but uh and here's here's the biggest issue that i have with this is for all the cities that have baseball you, you know, I could probably name them all if I really, really wanted to. But for all the cities that have baseball, the taxpayers are still on the hook for all of the money, for all of the debt that the stadiums are accruing. And right. they are paying that even though there is no baseball. So they are still paying for this. The taxpayers are being hurt by it, by the fact that there is no baseball. That's my biggest issue with all of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my biggest yeah. issue too. I figured if anything, you would have an opinion on that one. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, we, I mean, it's pure cronyism that the 
Taxpayers are on the hook for literal bread and circuses. The Romans at least used to give that for free. Um, now you have to pay not just for admission, but also for the building of it. I mean, it's a perfect, you know, if you're well-connected, you can just start a sports team and put it in a large city and have them pay all of your upfront costs so you just show up and make money once it starts making money. If it doesn't make money, that's fine. You still get a guaranteed salary and the taxpayers pay all your costs. And then once it starts making money, oh, now I'm making profit. That's pure cronyism there. So I'm against that. That part I want gone with the other 102 games uh, that they aren't going to do. So here is the next question from someone who is decided. How many games they played? No, I already knew 162 games. I know that. I know. Mickey Mantle played for the Yankees. I've now told you the two things that I know about baseball. Babe Ruth uh, originally played for the Red Sox. That's right. He did. And then they traded him for like some schmuck no one's ever heard of. No, they tra- okay. So they traded they him that. Uh, for money. The curse of they Babe tra- Ruth. Or the curse of the Bambino. Yeah. Uh, they traded him for money, which he, which the owner of the Red Sox at the time invested into a Broadway show that bombed. The curse of Babe Ruth, they call it. The curse of the Bambino. Of, who is Babe Ruth? That's right. Yes. So next question here from someone uh, who is clear. Lance Hawk, I, I'm not trying to dox you here, but are you in Fort Myer, Florida? Uh, because if so, that park is awesome. Um, trying to dox people on our show. That's... I'm, not, I'm not, but gosh, what's your I zip just, code, Lance? I wanted to know yeah. if it was that. I wanted to know if it was that stadium because that Matt stadium... has your social security number and a list of your greatest fears. Um, yep. so that's so cool. What's that? He said yes. Um, oh so... God, I I wouldn't have confirmed that, Lance. Oh no. So, uh, yeah, no, that stadium is amazing. I try to get down to it every year because my birthday is during spring training. uh, And I always like to go down there. But this year there was no spring training. So, obviously, I didn't get to do it. He's going to come to your house for his birthday, Lance. So, here's a question from someone who is not, decidedly is not, Chris Reynolds. Because if she was... Proudly noted, superfan Sarah Anderick here. Also, fun fact, wearing my brand new Muddied Waters Media shirt from the new shop. So awesome. Thank you, you guys. I do have a question uh, for both of you, Spike, of course, because, you know, VP. Also, I would love your opinion, Matt, as always. Um, And it's about student debt. Obviously, student debt is horrible and it just keeps on getting worse and worse and it's taking a really big toll on a lot of people's lives and I think making them feel very, very trapped. Um, with student debt, how, what, is, what is your standpoint and how we can fix that? What can we do to kind of create a better financial future for those who already have an insane amount of student debt? And then also for those in the future who you know are still maybe early in their youth, um, middle school, high school, before they get to college. Um, so Sarah, thank you for your question. Um, so student debt's a huge problem. It's uh, trillions of dollars now that have been racked up by people who increasingly are not able to find work in their chosen field of study. Um, 
let's look at why student debt exists in the first place. Usually in a market set free, in just a market that is determined solely by providers and consumers, a price equilibrium has to be held because if the price goes too high, fewer people start showing up because they can't afford it. And it doesn't matter what it is, school, the hospitals, the chicken sandwich store, whatever, any, 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 anything, you know, the old chicken sandwich store, some would call that a restaurant, but so at the chicken sandwich store, if the chicken sandwich price gets too high, people stop going at university. If the price gets too high, people stop going, but they keep coming. They do keep coming and they don't stop going, even though the price keeps going high. Why? Well, there's two reasons. One, the government creates laws mandating that you go to school in the first place to be able to go to, uh, you know, to do an increasing number of jobs. Even things like braiding hair, cutting hair, uh, 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 doing makeup, uh, being an esthetician. All of these are things that they've decided you need to go to school for two to four years. And other things that you have to go to school for four to eight years and run up tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. And then to get into a field that that job may not even be available anymore. And they make it so you have to do that. That's And that's why the price goes up. You have to go there. You have to make it work. Then government made it worse by subsidizing the costs and underwriting the loans. So now they can jack the price up pretty much as high as they want to. And they know you still have to show up because it's being underwritten by the government. And you have to go there if you want to get ahead, unless you want to do it illegally. We certainly wouldn't propose you do that. But so you go to school, you spend all this time, you run up all this debt for no reason, and now they've got you. And thanks to the government taking over the, the student loan system and, and, and nationalizing it, now it's almost impossible to get out of that debt. Even if you dropped out, something like 30 to 40% of students drop out and they still have that student debt. So you're looking at nearly half of the student debt, well, roughly a third of the student debt that it was run up by people who never even got their degrees. And that's government-owned student debt. So that's why the price went up. That's why the debt exists. Imagine if instead, instead, of, instead of having to go to school, you could have simply apprenticed under someone, which many of those laws, even after you go to school, you still have to apprentice under someone afterwards, proving that you often didn't even really learn anything in school to begin with. And they acknowledge that, which is why they tell you you have to apprentice. It's like, okay, now that you've done what we require of you, now go learn how to actually do the thing you want to do, which really should have been all that mattered. Imagine if instead you could have gone straight into apprenticeship or internship and worked directly under the people who were doing what you want to do professionally. And once you re reach some level of mastery or excellence in that, they sign off and you can now do that thing with the official mark of approval of whatever organization, you know, trade organization uh, is for that type of work. Imagine how many, not just how much, how many tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars you'd save by not having to run up that debt. Imagine the years you'd get back by being able to learn how to do something in a matter of months or maybe a year or two instead of spending four years eight years or longer to learn how to do that thing. Not even to learn how to do that thing, but just to go through whatever compliance with the government is required for you to be able to even pursue a degree in that thing. And imagine if you didn't then have thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars in licensing costs as a result, which is further debt for students who are trying to get into that field of work.
Joe Jorgensen and I would get rid of that by freeing the market of higher education and by using the Department of Justice to go after states who are using these overly burdensome regulations to basically make it illegal for people who aren't already wealthy to try to get ahead in life. Uh, And so that is how we would deal with that, both at the student debt level, at the occupational licensing level, and at just the level of younger people and people who don't have as much trying to build their future for their for their themselves and their families and their loved ones. Matt, she wanted to hear your answer, too, and I'm sure it's going to be way better than that. I actually can't add anything to that. Uh, The only thing I would really change on it is that uh, student loan debts could be added to uh, bankruptcies. Yes. Yeah. That. Yes. I mean, other other than everything you said, add them to bankruptcies, so that way you can say, "Well, I'm bankrupt. I can't. I can't pay this," and then you can get out. But if you're if you're legitimately bankrupt, why on earth is okay? You don't have to pay off your car loan or your you know mortgage or or your rent. You know you don't have to pay these things off because you know obviously you're too destitute. But you have to pay this hundred thousand student debt back, that student loan back, even if you dropped out because yep. the government says so. Yep. You should also be able to go bankrupt on your taxes too, much more easily. But that's a whole other subject. Um, here we go. Here's the next question. What's your opinion on different cities and counties mandating businesses and traditional civilians to wear masks while out and about? That sounds like Christopher Clark. It is Christopher Clark. Christopher Clark. Uh, great question. Um, I think especially I, I will tell you, I personally uh, typically wear a mask when I'm out in public, uh, especially, uh, and I wouldn't say I, I wear a mask when I'm like driving around or if I'm just walking around outside or at the beach or something like that. Uh, but if I'm, I'm going in, you're not one of those people who, who wears one like at the beach. Well, where's one in their car? I, I drive like, so in Florida, you have a lot of people who are, eh, what's the right word? They don't think things through. So I want, I want to say something real quick. Yeah. I, there have I been not an endorsement of what Spike says. <laughs> so I was just going to say, there have been times I forgot I'm wearing the mask and I'm like going from a store to a store and then someone's looking at me while I'm driving. I'm like, what's their problem? And I'm like, oh, because you kind of forget it's on, right? Like it's not, I don't wear those like N95 masks where you have difficulty breathing. It's just like a cloth, like surgical mask and you just forget it's on there. So I, I, I was sitting at a red light the other day and I watched somebody with a mask on do this. Hold it down. Oh, see, that's, yeah, no, that's. Yeah, hold it down, hit the vape, put it back up. And I'm like, you're in your car. You're in your car. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, personally, I think it's up to the businesses. My own personal thing. It's up to the businesses. Um, it, It definitely should not be a federal and I don't think anybody oh should be able to tell a business what they can or cannot do inside mm-hmm. their business. Um, so, yeah, if if uh, a Kava bar here in town said you have to have a mask to come in, I would comply with that. I probably wouldn't go, but I would comply uh, if I were to go. And if one said, I don't care if you wear a mask or not, I would probably go there. The, the, if you look at the amount of resistance, Chris, that there has been to just the suggestion, the strong suggestion that you wear a mask, where people are saying, this is the new symbol of obedience to the state. It's a mask. 
We wear pants every day, even though we don't have to. I certainly don't have to. I think everyone would be better off if I didn't wear pants. And yet, I have to wear pants every single day, largely because it's strongly suggested that I do that, especially when it's hot out. Because, I mean, the sun, you can get, you know, sunburn and exposure and all that stuff. And so I do it. And, you know, I do the same with the mask. You know, I, I'd, I'd rather not get this thing and I'd rather not spread it to others. So if I'm in large public groups, I wear a mask at this convention. Uh, the hotel is requiring that everyone wear a mask when they're in the, the public areas. If you're in your room, you don't have to wear it. But when you're in the public areas, you have to wear it. I'm going to comply with that. They have every right to do that. Um, but when you, when the government steps in and says everyone has to wear a mask, you're now creating a stigma around the mask that's really unnecessary. Simply... Which, which if you are going to convention, mm-hmm. if you go to muddiedwatersmedia.com and visit the store, yes, you can get your very own... Spike mask. Spike Spike Cohen neck gator qualifies as a mask and you can wear Spike literally on your face. Like yep. it's not, it doesn't say Spike. It is Spike. It is literally just me. And if you order it in the next couple of days, it will get here. It time. will get there in time. And you can wear your very own Spike face mask. Well, it's MuddyWatersMedia.com. So that's the answer to that. So here's the next one. This is also from Chris Clark. We want Matt to talk about his first Father's Day experience. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my... my... (laughs) My girlfriend has two beautiful, lovely, she's watching, uh, has two beautiful, lovely children that I love uh, very much. Yeah. And um, I don't consider myself to be a father figure to them, uh, but uh, apparently everybody else in the world does. Uh, so I was forced into celebrating Father's Day, even though I don't believe in celebrating Hallmark holidays or government mandated ones. Um, Wait, is Father's Day government mandated? No, but I just tossed it in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The tyranny of Father's Day. The the tyranny of Father's Day. No, uh, so when I was growing up, my my dad never celebrated Father's Day. He goes, I don't need this, so don't ever give me anything. And I held true. I was like, great. And I decided to adopt that same policy. But uh, my girlfriend, my lovely, beautiful girlfriend, whom I love very much, she uh, did not adopt that policy. She did not. Uh, So they let me sleep in, which. Nice. You know, no other gift is needed at that point. Um, They let me sleep in. And uh, then we had a very lovely Sunday. We went out uh, to a couple of parks where they played on the playground stuff and uh then uh we went and got burgers for dinner which is the only thing i ever really want to eat anyway so it was you know as far as sundays go it was pretty good so this is the most scots irish story i've ever heard you are resisting something that benefits you yeah because your dad did it's because I don't want to put that burden on anybody. Like, 
I don't but they care. but they wanted to do this for you but because your dad once said i don't need that crap you went yeah me either and then, either. and then and then you have a great day you get to sleep in you get to spend time with the kids and your lovely girlfriend at a park you get to have burgers you get to do all the stuff you want you go yeah it's just sunday Rawr, father's day in all fairness, most of what we did, we do every Sunday minus the sleeping in thing. What and, a great day. And it's great. And it's great every time. It's wonderful every time. It is a fantastic day every time that we do it. It's just that time it was apparently for me. So let's go to the next question here <laughs> from, from Matt Hicks. Hey guys, this is Matt Hicks calling on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney at law anchor call in line. And my question for you today is what does a frog do when his car won't start? Thank you very much. Hashtag laser legend. Laser legend. What does a frog do when its car? Oh, is it like he, oh, does he jumpstart it? I know the answers to these questions because uh, it's the next one. So I don't want to give them away. Does he? Does he ribbit it, or he he takes it to the ribbit? I'm gonna look this up. Don't, it's he answers it in the next one. Okay. All right. I I don't, assume, don't waste your time doing it. I, I, I know the answers because I screened. He, some he of these jump calls. starts it. Oh, in fact, we have and that. He he jump starts. Hold on, he jump shot. He jump starts. <laughs> he jump starts. You might want Casey Nichols. What's that? Casey Nichols uh, has a very good response. J.C. Nichols. Casey Nichols. Yeah, Casey Nichols. Oh, Toad. He gets it. To- oh. No, that's a that's another very good response to that question. Oh man! All right, okay. Can we just move on to the next one? Sure. Okay. Hey guys, this is Matt Hicks calling in on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney at law anchor call in line. Uh, I am calling in with the answers to my previous question. If a frog's car won't start, the first thing he does is try to get a jump. And if that doesn't work, he gets it towed. Oh, God. Hashtag laser legend. So we were both right, and everyone loses. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we talk about the free marketplace of ideas, but I don't. <laughs> He's not even. Is he a dad? That was a dad joke. If I that was heard. a dad joke, he missed his. That calling. was a dad joke. He missed his calling. All right, uh, here's another one, which I hope is not more. Bad. It's not. Okay. Hey guys, it's time for a serious question from Matt Hicks, calling in on the Chris Reynolds personally in- injury attorney, attorney at law anchor call in line. In light of Donald Trump's recent remarks that he wants the federal government to uh, somehow figure out a way to put people in jail for a year for desecrating the 
Oh, sweet, yeah. sweet, beautiful American flag. Uh, are you guys up for a road trip up to D.C. so we can burn flags right in front of the White House so Donald Trump can see us? Because I'm down. Hashtag laser legend. Oh, ha- hold on. Hashtag laser legend. So I'll let you give your thoughts on this nonsense first. Um, so as far as a road trip to D.C., uh, well, normally I would be on board. He's a dad I, now. Yeah, I've got responsibilities. Um, so <laughs> I can't. Um, but uh, yeah, I... That... I will say, okay, so what I will say is if you steal a flag from someone, someplace, or something, oh, yeah, you should be punished. Yeah, if you well, just for whatever you do to it, yeah, if you you destroy destroy it, you should be punished harder. Uh, if you go out and you purchase that flag and you decide to burn it out in front of the White House, I see no issue, I see no issue whatsoever. If you steal from someone else, you should have to give it back to them or buy a new one or whatever you should have to deal with the consequence of your actions i th- personally think that and this is just my personal opinion i'm certainly if someone wants to burn flags that's on them they certainly have every right to do that i personally think flag burning is kind of a lazy form of protest i get that it incites feelings and gets people to pay attention to you but i just find there are better ways to protest i'm not saying don't do it i'm just saying me personally if someone said hey you want to go to a flag burning I'm like probably not i mean is there gonna be other stuff happening too that's fruitful or are we just making ourselves feel better by burning pieces of cloth um with that said if burning flags was ever made illegal i would engage in campaigns where we just bought thousands of them and burned all of them at the same time because you shouldn't make it illegal to burn an object that you own especially a piece of cloth. It is certainly not what the founders intended. There is certainly nothing in the Constitution justifying it. And I have heard plenty of veterans who say, I, as much as I'm disgusted by someone burning a flag, then as, as much as it disgusts me, I fought for people's right to do exactly that. So I think it's, I, yeah. Uh, if you, that, were you reading that in the comments? Why is that what someone said? Yeah, oh wow, there you go. Yeah, Ryan Scray said that literally as yeah. you were saying it. Yeah, I literally was not reading that, but that's and like Melissa Marie said, um, the flag represents the very freedom that lets people burn it. Like it's just, it's it, so if if it becomes illegal, I will be you know the flag burner in chief. But if if you know otherwise, I'm just not a fan. I don't really think that it's a. I don't think it's a very fruitful way of, of of protesting. But again, I'm not I'm not going to uh, I, I'm not going to tell someone else how to do it. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think that it's I think it's a great way to get attention. But I think there are better ways to get attention. But anyway, whatever. Uh, but yeah, if it's illegal, I, I'll be you'll you'll be there'll be a price run on flags because we'll all be going out there buying them just to turn around and burn them. Um, as the price flags skyrocket. Yeah, buy. That's another thing I'll do. I'll be buying stocks in flag making companies because Chinese, that's Chinese yeah flag. Chinese flag making companies. Um, so here is, I believe this is our last question. Yeah, this is our last question. Hello, gentlemen. We've had pro natalist policies for so long 
that people expect the government to take care of their kids. And this is something that I've learned since parents have been locked home with their kids during this uh, virus outbreak. Um, how would how how would you uh, approach walking back those policies? Hashtag Space Pony. That's the Space Pony, otherwise known as Dawn, Matt Hicks's wife, Dawn. Uh, thank you for calling. Pronatalist. How many other podcasts do you get to hear new words that you have to look up? I didn't have to, though, because I totally knew what that meant. Definitely uh, not typing as you're saying that. Definitely not. Oh. So, you you know, you, we have these rules that are, uh, you know, I, I well, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Matt, because you're, you're a father now. What what are your thoughts on pronatalism and the, the rules specifically designed basically for people to externalize the cost of their children to everyone else? Um, so. Dad. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So it's nobody else's responsibility to take care of your kids other than you. That is a hundred percent on you and the person you had the kid with. Um, the other parent. The other parent, which excludes, you know, me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, seriously, uh, it. I think that a really great way to do it. I don't see this to be a serious way to do it, but a really great way to do it would be to. Uh, plan a pandemic that shuts everything down except for jobs so people could still afford to pay for things but it just shut down the government and that way people just have to learn how to afford things on their own but um <laughs> what oh i must be getting punchy because i think you just said that we should have another pandemic that, a pandemic only that doesn't is shut down activated by government service right okay yeah. Um, I guess that's one plan. <laughs> I said it wasn't a serious plan. Well, could. Uh, yeah, we need to, you need to figure out a way to get off of the government, the government addiction. Uh, you need to figure out that uh, private services do it so much better. Private services do it so much better. Learning to live within your means does it so much better. Uh, a lot of it is self-responsibility. And the biggest thing that people need to learn is how to be self-reliant and self-responsible. Um, that is, I, it's, I don't really know how we would go back on that, but it, that is idea. what is needed. I have an idea that is not a pandemic. No? Um, yeah. It is not. I have an idea that is not imposing a plague on government workers. Um, the, uh, my plan is that we stop creating barriers that put parents in a situation where they can't afford their children. Um, you see what's happening now is that if you look at two parent households, whichever parent, because now almost all households, both parents are working full time. And this does two things. First of all, whichever parent is making less they're basically paying all of the tax and compliance costs. So they're literally working just to pay taxes and fees and everything else related to government infringements on their life. Um, they would not have to be working if the government wasn't imposing itself that way. So you would have a parent, you would have either a parent at home 
full-time with the kids, or you would have two parents just not having to work as much, or you'd have two parents working and having more disposable income so they could afford the services for their children. But you would not have two parents who are working full-time and then still need help with their children. You also would not have single parents who, it's unless they're making six figures plus a year, it's impossible for them to not rely on government services for their children. So I would say that this is what has happened as a result of the government. This is an extension of government's war against people who aren't super, super, super rich, which is these impositions of regulations and burdens and taxes and other barriers and other fees on them for just trying to live their lives, making a living, having their children taken care of and all of these things. If you removed all of that, we wouldn't have the problem that we're having right now. At least not to the same degree. There will always be parents who, you know, for whatever reason, need help with their children even temporarily. And in those situations, we could come together voluntarily and help those parents and those families. And that's something most of us would want to do voluntarily. We wouldn't need government pointing a gun to our heads making us do it. And we certainly wouldn't have government putting people in situations of generational uh, poverty and generational requirement of government help just to get ahead in life. Um, or even just to make ends meet, you wouldn't see this growing need to have government just to, to make ends meet, which then leads itself because when you create that, then you have to tell these parents, you have to put their anger somewhere. You can't tell them, hey, the reason that we're doing this, the reason that you need our help is because we've put you in that situation. Instead, you say, the reason you need this help is because it takes a village to raise a child. And these people out here who don't want to be taxed, to pay for your children, they're selfish. They hate you and your children. What's their problem? Why won't they take care of their village? Don't we all live together as a common human family? Blah, 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 blah. Because they're distracting from the fact that the only reason those people need help in the first place is because the government put them in that position of needing help in the first place. So that's the answer to that hashtag space pony hashtag laser legend brought to you by the Chris Reynolds personally personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds attorney at law anchor call-in moment oh and then we have another segment I forgot about that yeah <laughs> you know because this is a short episode um yeah so okay cool so uh speaking of police unions <laughs> hey Matt what's up with the police unions so famously <laughs> during the Parkland shooting that brought the name David Hogg into the world yep. uh, Sergeant Brian Miller hid behind his police cruiser waiting 10 minutes to radio for help uh, many of us remember this story uh, because Brian Miller was fired for neglect of duty. But what a lot of people don't know is that last month Miller was not only reinstated, but given back his full pay and his 2017 salary was more than $138,000. So he just got like half a million dollars. Or 300 and something. that Because, I mean, that was... 
He got full back pay. So then he also got for 2018, 2019, and whatever for 2020, right? right? Yes. So yeah, he got like 400K. Right. Or more. And this was 100% fully backed by the police union. Now, of course, we know. Go ahead. Now, after Breonna Taylor was murdered and people all across the country were asking for the officers to be fired. The Louisville and charged mayor, with murder. And, right. And charged with murder. Yeah. Uh, the Louisville mayor, uh, Greg Fisher, said it would be a slow process because of the collective bargaining agreement with the police union. Yep. The office, one of the officers was fired last week over a month later, but no, still no charges have been filed. Yep. And if you look at Camden, New Jersey, for example, they have actual evidence on how the unions have actually made the streets less safe. In 2012, Camden was one of the most dangerous places of America with a murder rate that approached uh, that's approaching record highs. And the New York Times reported that police unions had all but ceded the streets to crime. The police acknowledged that they have all but ceded street, these streets to crime with murders on track to break records this year. And now, in a desperate move to regain control, city officials are planning to disband the police department. That's right. And hopefully the, the union's with them. The union contracts made hiring officers super expensive. Uh, and the cops on the payroll were being paid too much and they weren't getting the job done, obviously, with murders reaching record highs. So yep. the city did exactly that. They fired all of them. Good. Everybody. And they went back to hiring on, uh, they went back to hiring uh, all new officers and training all new officers all over again. Uh, they reorganized under the county with lower pay, adding a, uh, adding focus on rebuilding trust with the community, um, and murders declined. Imagine that. So they have a union again because that's the law there, uh, but they focus on use of force policy that's aimed squarely at de-escalation. Imagine that police force not trying to start wars, uh, gun battles in the streets. Right. Now, the city is not the safest city. Camden, New Jersey, definitely not perfect. Um, but since 2012, since they fired everybody, there has been improvement. So well, that's what does this have to do with anything? This was eight years ago. This past week, the King County Labor Co Coalition, which is a subsidiary of AFL-CIO, uh, has kicked out the seattle police union good they kicked them out they will no longer be bargaining on their behalf um and this is a huge step in the right direction yes because without the bargaining expertise of organizations like the afl cio uh they're forced to have to do the bargaining on their own and it would probably sound something like i am not Derek shabon they are not him he killed someone. We didn't. We are restrained. And you know what? I'm saying this to all the cops here. Because you know what? Everybody's trying to shame us. The legislators. The press. Everybody's trying to shame us into being embarrassed about our profession. Well, you know what? This isn't stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got a shine on it. 
and so did theirs. So do theirs. Stop treating us like animals and bugs and start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. This is the New York Police Department that arrested so many people that the New York State had to actually suspend habeas corpus because they had no time frame for how they would be able to process the tens of thousands of people that were being rounded up who weren't even participating in the protest, which, by the way, was perfectly legal. They were just pro. They had reporters. They had. Uh, uh, they Uber had drivers, delivery, delivery dri- drivers. Uber drivers, they had food delivery drivers, they had just people going about, their, and they were just rounding up everyone and putting them in uh, in makeshift prisons and jails. Yep. So yep. many so that the courts had to actually suspend habeas corpus for the first time since the Civil War. And this is the guy telling us that, you know, they're the ones not being treated with respect. And he also said, we've been left out of the conversation. Apparently what Mike forgot is that they started the conversation. Yeah. They weren't, they were included and then they, they started it. Yeah. Yeah. And when we say they, we mean the New York police department, because when people showed up unarmed and peacefully protesting, they were brutalized by the New York police department. So we don't mean the police as some, you know, uh, uh, you know, the same way people would if one Antifa person did something that said, oh, Antifa just did that. We're talking specifically about that police organization and what they did. Can you imagine if this guy had to wait for a McMuffin? Did you read the comments? I have not, but I'm sure. Because John Hurtley said that. Um... Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine this guy? I'm serious. God forbid one of these one of these people goes to McDonald's and asks for a milkshake. And one of our Periscope watchers um, says, respect is earned. And exactly. yes, just because you have a badge does not entitle you to respect. Absolutely not. It does not. Respect is earned. And you... And, and- and when As they an say individual need to earn it. And when they say respect, or at least when this guy says respect, what he's really saying is signing off on everything we do without question and never even uh, acknowledging that there are times that we take bad actions. That's that's what his particular brand of respect is. It is the same respect that I assume he thinks he deserves when he's pulling someone over and expects them to not even have an opinion on that. Uh, it is that mentality that is being fostered by things like qualified immunity, civil asset forfeiture, the war on drugs, uh, mandatory minimum sentencing, um, you know, all of the terrible things that are resulting in police becoming increasingly militarized, not just in their equipment, but in their mentality, and is leading to greater, greater gulfs and rifts between the police and the public, the people that they are, that they are sworn to serve who increasingly don't like them and don't trust them and fear them and resent them. The greater American public is now experiencing what marginalized communities have been suffering from for since the beginning, back when they were called the slave patrols. They are experiencing fear every time they see an officer of the law, and that needs to end. And we end that by ending the incentivization of bad policing and ending the punishment of good policing by getting rid of qualified immunity. 
by ending the endless stream of money that is being stolen by federal and state governments of people that haven't even been tried for anything yet by ending the civil asset forfeiture program, ending the militarization of our police by ending the 1033 military surplus program that both Democrats and Republicans, including Joe Biden and Donald Trump, have signed off on and enforced and love every bit of. Ending all of these things so that when you see a police officer and ending the war on drugs and ending all of the other uh, other wars against victimless crimes and victimless commerce so that when someone sees a police officer, they know that they're only there for one reason, to protect our lives and our rights and our property and, and ending the, 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 the rift and healing the rift between the police and the public that has been created by bad actors in the police department and even worse actors in, in legislature and executive branches. Um, and on June 1st, I'm going to actually have to go to this article. I had to search to find it. Um, there we go. Uh, on June 1st, the New York police department who hasn't been involved in the conversation, according to Mike O'Meara, um, the NYPD Sergeants Union tweets a picture of Mayor de Blasio's full arrest report. Uh, a full arrest report and went after the mayor saying this is the type of stuff that happens yep. when you don't support the police or give us the the resources needed. Now, this was a conversation that I had with personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, uh, and to that, he said, I was just going to steal it, but I'll actually give him credit. Uh, no one is in control. When cops threaten a mayor, the mayor obviously isn't the one with the power. Right. And you're involved in the conversation. Everything that they have been doing for decades, for decades before any of this was the conversation, they just weren't listening. And now people are fighting back. Exactly. People are, are and, and by fighting back, it's literally just saying, hey, stop killing us. All these protests only turn into riots after the police come in guns blazing or, or pepper, pe pepper ball guns blazing and tear gas blazing, which they can't even use tear gas in, in, uh, in overseas conflicts because it's banned by the Geneva Convention, but they use it here in our homes and our communities, and they use mine-resistant vehicles. They come in heavy dealing with unarmed protesters. Now, remember there were some protests a month ago, uh, just over a month ago now against the lockdowns? Those people came out armed. You remember hearing a lot of pepper, bullet, pepper balling and tear gassing of those groups? No. Funny that. That is why I am happy to see Black Panthers and Boogaloo Boys and people coming to these protests armed and at the front. What do you want to bet those protests have a lot less tear gassing incidents and a lot less pepper balling incidents? Yes. Because you don't bring tear gas to a gunfight. So that is... Uh, so basically get rid of policing units. Yeah. Oh, police unions. Well, yeah. And while you're at it, get rid of teachers. Union. Now, let me ask you this, Matt. I have had just had uh, right before the show started a a Jorgensen ad, uh, a, jo a Joe uh, Jorgensen Cohen ad released just now, and I haven't even looked at this yet. Do you? think I should go ahead and 
play it now for the fine folks at home to see? Yeah, I'll play it now for the fine folks at home. Okay, here goes. Doug Crawl seems very excited about it, so. Yeah, I'm, again, I have not seen this. I have not seen this. And the only reason I'm even thinking of releasing it is because the guy who made it does all of our viral videos, and I feel pretty good about it. But we're all going to find out together. Oh, man. We're all about to do this together. Godspeed to all of us. Here we go. Something has to change. Every day we are witnessing brutality on an unimaginable scale. Every day we are witnessing systemic racism that many of us have been told about but didn't want to believe was real. Every day people are being victimized and we feel powerless. We are filled with anger, fear, rage. But it doesn't have to be this way. The police should make us feel safe, not scared, relieved, not resentful. Now is the time for change, and Joe Jorgensen and I have a plan to bring that change. End qualified immunity. End demilitarization of the police. End civil asset forfeiture. End no-knock raids. End the war on drugs. End institutional racism. Make our justice system a system of actual justice. Now, more than ever, is the time to reject and disrupt the status quo. Now is the time to heal. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. Well, if that didn't get you pumped and ready to go out and vote for Spike Cohen on November 3rd, I think. Whatever the first Tuesday in November. Um, I don't know what would. Oh, maybe a strip tease from Spike. Maybe a strip tease from Spike would get you just pumped to go out and vote for him. But since I'm certain we won't get that. You'll have to do with this. Yeah. I would like to say that uh, Dan did a great job on that video. For all of our audio listeners who can't see Spike's face, uh, elation would be the correct word for what for what you are missing at this moment. And also, thank you for listening. Visible elation. I'm just trying to describe for our, our listeners. Yeah, I, visible elation. Yeah. I don't... That was so good. Oh, wow. Uh, Matt Sinal, we need that link. Yeah, that's going to... Yeah, that we're going to be putting this up on uh, on our social media uh, either tonight or, or tomorrow. Uh, we're all going to be able to share that, and that'll be... 
uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, and follow us uh, in the Joe Jorgensen Spike Cohen Facebook group. Uh, you won't have a hard time finding it. Let me put it that way, because that's about to be everywhere. Oh, wow. That was good. Yeah, Dan, Dan crushed that video. That was... Dan. Dan. That was fantastic. Dan, that... Is Dan is Dan watching? I don't know if don't Dan's know. watching. I'm going to record a message for Dan right now, just as soon as I figure out how to do that on the computer. <laughs> Here, um, holy crap, was that good? Here we go, Dan. We just, oh, gosh, wow. Dan, we just uh, watched, we just played that live on the show, which I'm still recording right now. And uh, it was so good. I didn't, I hadn't watched it yet. We just played it for everyone. Holy hell, was that good. So, he didn't, he didn't, can he hear me? Uh, I don't believe, no, he can't hear you. Well, that's less fun. Well, Matt wants to say he liked it too. He'd like to say that he liked it too. Hold on. I'm going to make it so he can actually hear you. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it, one fantastic Hold video. On. Very well no, done. No, he still can't. He still can't hear you. Oh, uh, well. Here, okay. let me let me do it again. So now, okay, now, now I think he'll be able to hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Can he hear me now? Yes. Okay. Uh, first of all, fantastic video. Second of all, Spike was actually speechless for the first time uh, that wasn't from a joke that I said that he found to be really close to the edge. Um, he was speechless for quite some time with a look of complete and total elation all over his face. Uh, so uh, well done. Yeah. Well, well done. It, like we're oh. literally still doing the show and everyone's listening and watching this. I just yeah, couldn't was- wait <laughs> until the show was over to tell you how good it was. So fantastic work, my friend. Fantastic work. Oh my gosh. That was good. Holy crap. All right. Well, I don't think anything else can be added to that ever. I am. Yeah, I was going to say, I am pretty certain that uh, that was a great way to close it. That was a great way to close it. So, folks, uh, thanks again for tuning into an amazing episode of uh, The Muddy Waters of Freedom. Be sure to tune in tomorrow night for my show, My Fellow Americans. I'm going to be doing an AMA, uh, answering all your questions. And uh, so, if I did not get to your questions, uh, in this, uh, in if you ask me questions in this episode, be sure to join us tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here at Muddy Waters Media, and I will be sure to answer as many as I can. I used to promise that I would answer any questions uh, that I received as quickly as I could, but I now sometimes get thousands of questions, and it's I've discovered it's functionally impossible for me to answer all of them. So I will try to answer as many as I can, and uh, so be sure to tune in tomorrow night 8 p.m eastern and then tune in again next week and i'll be on all sorts of different appearances between now and and then so be sure to just stay tuned uh to both uh my spike cohen page and to muddy waters media and we'll be sharing all those different episodes that i'm on uh of different shows that i'm on and then tune in again next week tuesday 8 p.m eastern right here at muddy waters media for the muddy waters of freedom where matt wright and i parse through the week's events like the sweet summer children we are Matt? And if, 
And if you happen to be online and looking on where to follow us, head on over to muddiedwatersmedia.com and you can sign up for our newsletter. You can find all of our social media and then head on over to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters and you can follow us there or find out all of the many, 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 many different podcasting platforms on which you can find us. Yes. And thanks again for tuning in tonight. And uh, I will see you tomorrow night on the Muddy Waters or on My Fellow Americans, my show. And where we're going, we don't need roads.